over the past 12 years, she walked the halls of the Oklahoma State Capitol, and she slept on the couches and staff offices when her mother served as the state representative and also as a state senator. Now, she's taking her own desk in the House of Representatives. She's 24-year-old A.J. Pittman, and she's the newly elected representative for House District 99 in Oklahoma City. Let's meet her. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is The Spirit of Leading. Representative Pittman is one of eight state representatives under the age of 30 who's going to be shaping policy for the state of Oklahoma when the 57th legislature convenes at noon on February the 4th. But like all legislators, they're already hard at work. In this episode of The Spirit of Leading, we get to hear how Representative Pittman is approaching her new role in this political process and how she's going to work from the minority side of the aisle to accomplish her legislative objectives. Representative Pittman, thank you very much for joining us on the Spirit of Leading podcast. You're so welcome. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, ever since I saw that you uh, were uh, were elected, I thought I just really need to uh, make it a point to meet her as early as possible and capture her on this uh, podcast so that we can get to know from a young person's perspective what their expectations are of uh, being in this kind of a leadership role. And uh, I, do, I want to tell everyone that uh, we are recording in a conference room on the fifth floor of the Capitol building in, yes. on, the, on the side of the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. which just happens to be the side they're renovating right now. <laughs> so, the whole Capitol uh, is under construction right Capitol, now. It is. And so <laughs> there might be some uh, sounds coming in, uh, in in the background from the renovation, but we'll just work around that. Yes, thank so you we'll so much. we'll talk over it a little bit. So those early days, I'm just really fascinated by your life story, how that you are the daughter of a legislator and mm-hmm. state senator and uh, and certainly have been, the Capitol is not an, not an, an unusual place for you. Yes, you've it's, been, home. You've been, it's home. It's home. It's home. <laughs> and so, but now you have it in a different kind of perspective. And so what was it like being around this kind of environment all those years and what kind of an impression did that make on you? And my mom and I laugh about this all the time. Um, I thought I was big. I didn't know that I was little. Um, In my head, because I was fortunate enough to walk these halls so many years ago, um, I would get my backpack after she picked me up from school. I had my Sonic, and I would come up here, and I would do my homework like they were doing work, and I thought that I was really a part of the team. And they let me be a part of the team. They, I went to my first legislative conference at seven years old. Um, I was fortunate enough to watch my mom be a staffer and work her way up through the ranks um, in the Senate. I was fortunate enough to be here when Senator Angela Munson was still in office. And she took us to NCSL because my mom worked for her at the time. And she was the first Oklahoman to be the president of that national organization, the first female of color to be the president of that national organization. So I was seeing history be made along the way, every step along the way. And so it shaped my view of policy as something that I was comfortable with. You know, so many people view policy as a foreign language or they view it as something that they don't want to get involved in. But I've always been involved in it, so I'm comfortable here. This is my safety blanket or this is my uh, comfort zone because 
the building has just been so warm and so gracious to me. There's people that are still in the Capitol that are like, oh, my God, the baby, the baby won. <laughs> or this is not the baby. Um, and so I am Anastasia 2.0 or representative baby in the Capitol right now. Baby representative. Um, it, it's just been a dream come true to really carry on the legacy of leadership that not only my mom, but my whole family has left for me. Well, it certainly will be an, a lot of fun for you, I'm sure, uh, getting used to sort of a new place in the in the capital. It's kind of like uh, moving into your old homestead. You, yeah. know, you grew up as there, and now it's your home. Definitely. And it has so, so, sort of a different significance to you, but yet it still has so much familiarity. I know. It's crazy because they're remodeling so much. And so a part of me was sad at first because it wouldn't be the old building that I was used to that I know. But I'm also happy that I get to see the transition. I get to see it going into the next generation of leaders and it going into the next generation of serving the people of Oklahoma just like I'm doing. It's, it's a a place that's very familiar to you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yet a lot of people are coming here for the first time, and they're kind of going, they're looking around, going, "Golly!" <laughs> you know? I mean, they're, they're really overwhelmed by uh, by the place and by sort of uh, what it uh, what it represents. And also this year, there are so many new legislators oh who God. have no legislative experience at all. Definitely. And so, how do you think that's going to work? I'm excited um, for them. Um, It has been a whirlwind. I know I was fortunate enough to win in August. I did not have a general. I just had a runoff election, and so I won in August. But I felt so bad for the people who won (laughs) in November and then turned right around and had to be thrown into swearing in and legislative deadlines and paperwork because they didn't really have time to kind of fill it out and get their feet planted before the whirlwind. People obviously think that we don't start until February, but that's just legislative session. We have deadlines and a lot of different things beforehand that are we are actively doing um, now or that we start in November as soon as we get elected. So hopefully I will be able to help them just kind of navigate the building. Um, but I'm also new too. I don't come in with a spirit that I know it all. I come in as, yes, I'm familiar with the building and the process, but this is also my first year and mm-hmm. I would love to learn from some of the senior members and some of the members who have tenure here. Um, but because we have term limits, it kind of takes some of the institutional knowledge out of the building. So a lot of the staffers and a lot of the lobbyists right now are the ones with the institutional knowledge. And so we have to allow our representatives and our newly elected officials to be human and get their feet wet. I know that their constituency wants so much from them, but allow them that grace period to get in because they're coming in with a learning curve already. Some people that have already been here know the ropes, know how legislation is drafted, know what bills they want, and some people really truly have no clue. They just had a spirit that they wanted to serve their community or that they wanted to change what was being what was happening in their community so that they decided to have the courage enough to put their name on the ballot. So we have to respect that and give them time to really settle in and hone on their skills. Not everyone stays 12 years anymore. I was fortunate to be um, have a, a parent who stayed 
all 12 years. So that gives us a little bit different perspective. Some people are not staying that long anymore just because the climate of politics. So I'm hoping that the young people coming in and that the new people coming in will really stay and allow their community to get used to them as a leader, to be comfortable with them and to know who's serving them. knowledge because if that's not there mm -hmm. who do you rely on and I I know I've listened to some of the news commentary about uh, the, the size of the incoming class and the fact that even last session a lot of new people came in mm -hmm. so that you know, now we have a significant number of legislators who have two years or less experience basically yes and so does that uh, cause them to sort of be in uh, be at the whim of of, of lobbyists and people who have institutional background and who can have some influence over them. So, oh, this is the way it's done. And, you know, could, could they be uh, misled by that kind of influence? I'm not sure. I think when you run for office, you have to kind of be very sure of yourself. Um, to a certain extent, just because of all the things that come along with running for office. So in my, from my seat, people remember that they are elected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people that are here now have worked hard for these seats. So they're not going to let anyone come in and influence them, I don't think, to do things that they don't want to do because they worked and earned their spot and right. their place at the table. Um, and so with that, I think that they are able to listen because there's some lobbyists, to be honest, that I've known my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, if they're coming to give me advice or things like that, I believe that it's sincere, um, but I have a different relationship with them as well. Um, but you take everything, you always ask questions, you always never, you never commit to any one specific thing or one specific cause or one specific person. You always ask who's on the opposite side of that or who's for this. Um, what does it look like for my district and what it, does it look like for my community? And as long as you're focusing on what is going to be best for my constituents that elected me to be here and then what is going to be best for the state of Oklahoma 10, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, I think you have the right motives. Well, that's certainly heartening to hear because I know there's a lot of people talk about the influence of lobbyists, and I know people professionally who that's that's their job, mm -hmm. and they're going to be talking about things from their from their interests, and sometimes it's easy to kind of uh, have a relationship with them so that you say, oh well, they would never tell me anything that would be inappropriate or whatever, and to become almost too trusting sometimes. We always have to remember, well, they do have a point of view, right? And they're supposed to have that point of view, exactly. so I need to just remember that. Uh, speaking of those initiatives. Uh, uh, what are what are some of the things that you th that are really at the top of your list of things that you want to accomplish, and how are you going to work with uh, being a minority on the mi in the minority, yeah, yeah. And, it's a mi <laughs> and the majority is pretty large, uh, to really work with them to build relationships to get your initiatives uh, uh, enacted as much as possible? So I have a background in healthcare. Um, I was a corporate wellness coordinator for OU Physicians before I decided to uh, run for office and take care of my grandfather. So healthcare is really, really important to me. One of the things that is at the top of my list is I want to do some legislation on oral health care. Um, currently in Oklahoma, it is the law that we help pa uh, cancer patients with their treatment if they cannot afford it. However, we do not encompass oral health 
in that treatment plan and what we cover. And a lot of times the side effects to chemo, radiation, and a lot of the cancer treatments is oral health Mm -hmm. um, and that your teeth fall out and things like that. And we want to make the constituents of Oklahoma whole again. Mm -hmm. If they have gone through that fight and been successful in beating cancer, that is something that is amazing. We want to make them whole so that they are not uncomfortable walking around with sores in their mouth or things like that that really could affect their health along the road um, that really could affect their recovery. So that is something that is at the very top of my list. Um, We also have mothers that are not that are on sooner care that don't have oral health coverage right now. And really, we have to understand that oral health is a part of our overall health you can have major surgery from having a tooth that is not taken care of Mm -hmm. properly. Um, So I was fortunate enough to grow up with one of my uncles being a professor over at the School of Orthodontists um, at the Health Science Center. So oral health is something that has been in the history of my family for a while, something that is important, but people don't really connect that oral health is important to overall health wellness as well. I want to back up a little bit and ask you something about uh, uh, your work with young people themselves. I noticed that uh, on your website, you talked about uh, starting a global millennial project Mm -hmm. uh, to help young people uh, get along in life uh, sooner and quicker and so forth. Tell me a little bit about that and how that's uh, working. So the uh, GMP, the Global Millennial Project, is something that came out of, it was birthed out of me seeing a need. so many times other generations like to have a negative connotation about millennials. Um, They think that we are lazy or that we don't know how to do certain things. And so for me, a part of running for office was to break down those negative stigmas. Um, You can't necessarily call me lazy because I'm an elected official as a millennial. And that takes obviously hard work. My toes were blue during my campaign, but I saw a need that even in higher education that we weren't getting life skills. Even in high school, we weren't getting life skills. So we weren't getting financial literacy. We weren't being taught how to pay down student loans or how to buy homes or things like that or to go to the doctor early um, just to have a primary care physician at a young age to do simple things that made life that are necessary in life to me, to be successful. Um, I don't just look at as education as one-stop shop. You can have education from experience. You can have education from different walks of life. But some life skills, we've taken home ec out of schools. We've taken sex ed out of schools. And I think that it's doing our young people a disservice. We can't continue to talk about young people in a negative way if we're not going to find avenues and ways to help them dress for success figure out what careers are show them options that say you can go to a trade school or you can be an entrepreneur or go to college or you can get a trade before you go to college whatever that looks like don't let society put you inside of this box and tell you that you have to go this way 
whatever your way is, find that direction, be passionate about it and stick to it and don't let anyone deter you from that. And so that is what I strive to show young people, even in my election process. I left my spring break photos up on my social media mm -hmm. account. I didn't show it down, uh, uh, shut it down. I didn't lock it down. I wanted them to see that I went to taco festivals mm -hmm. and that I was 21 at one point in time and that I enjoyed my life and that I went to prom and that I was human. So many times uh, when you think of political candidates, you think of this picture perfect person. And really, that couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Um, people are flawed. We're human. We get sick. We get tired. We have bad days. We have bad moments. But I wanted to show young people, almost like church says, come as you are. A lot of young people stare away from pro uh, politics because they think, oh, my God, it's just so negative. People are going to rip you apart or they're just going to air out all of your dirty laundry or it's messy. People are not transparent. And I wanted to bring transparency to the table. I wanted to show them, hey, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. But I decided to put my name on the ballot. I needed help. I was fortunate enough to have a team of young people that said that they were going to help me and really worked very hard on my campaign. Even some that were still in school during my runoff race that still devoted time but to show them that they could be in my shoes one day right. without all of the accolades that so many people feel like you have to have before you put your name on the ballot. Right. I, I tell young people when I get a chance to that the only constitutional requirement to hold office is to be 21. Exactly. And so, I mean, after, after that, it's like whoever can win the trust of the voters gets selected. And, uh, and one of the things that I've said many times in classes, leadership classes I teach, well, I ask the question, who gets elected to office? And of course, all the standard answers come up, like the people with the most money and the mm -hmm. most influence and whatever. But the real answer is only those who run. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't run for office, you'll never be elected to office. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, understanding the process of that and being brave enough to put yourself out there, even if you lose, you've made a difference. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's uh, the big thing that I think that people need to understand is that uh, running for office, the fact that you've been, you've joined the conversation or you've created a conversation or you've asked the questions in the campaigning process that people need to be answering and be talking about, Definitely. that makes the whole system better. And if you win, great. If you don't win, well, you okay, those, you, you try again if you want to do that. So, definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah. I think that we have to allow that next generation to lead while our mentors are still living. You know, I'm leading while my mom is still alive, while she can help navigate this with me. I'm leading while Senator Angela Munson and Judge Vicki Miles LaGrange are still living. So if I have questions or if I need advice, my mentors and the people that came before me are still here. Um, Millennials aren't coming. We're here. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. As you can see right. of all of the people, <laughs> the young people that have been elected. So I think changing that power and relinquishing that power and letting us come into leadership positions and giving us time to grow while we still have you it makes all the difference right. when you can grow and make mistakes, but you have people along the lines that are there to help you correct those mistakes that love you, that want to show you the best way to do things, best practices. That is what really edifies someone's life instead of just saying, Oh, you're too young. Well, no, we're not. 
if we were too young, then we need to change the law. <laughs> I have a friend who is the youngest elected official in the nation right now, and he is a state representative in Wisconsin, and he's 19. I'll be. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a state, um, I can't remember, I was reading an article, but there was a 13-year-old boy who ran for governor because his state didn't have an age limitation on it, and he thought it would be fun. Of course, he didn't win, but to have the courage to put right. your name on the ballot and really truly have some people support you and give you votes at 13, imagine the head start that he has had right. on so many young people just for taking that leap of faith and knowing that he has a support system. That makes the world of difference in so many young people's lives. Well, those are certainly great role models, and I'm glad you brought some of those examples up because I wanted to ask you, you know, what do you say to young people who seem to be so cynical about politics? Because you've heard of that a lot, and we've heard how many times they – uh, don't show up to vote. They don't like who's on the ballots. They just don't make uh, offer an opinion one way or the other. So they don't participate. Right. So how do you get them out of that? Well, I want to let them know that you can't change anything unless you're a part of it. <laughs> if you're not at the table, you can't complain. Um, to be completely honest, if you don't vote or you don't participate or you don't get involved, it's very hard to sit back and complain. Um, and so you have to insert yourself into the conversation. Get involved. Volunteer. Um, I started from volunteering. I was fortunate enough to have a parent that threw me into a lot of stuff or at least opened the door for those opportunities. But the things that I really took um, and ran with that I was passionate about, I thrived in. I excelled in. You know, a lot of people don't know that I sat on the Fit Kids Coalition uh, for Childhood Obesity with Oklahoma Child Advocacy uh, or Institute for Child Advocacy when I was younger and did a pedal discussion as a 12 or 15 year old about how do we combat childhood obesity in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. I was an NAACP president. I was a top teens president. There's so many things that you can do to get involved as a young person Whatever your niche is, if it's healthcare, if it's criminal justice reform, if it's transportation, if it's energy, if it's oil and gas, if it's um, childhood obesity, whatever that uh, thing is that you're passionate about, get involved at a base level because mm -hmm. policy controls all of that. If you think my vote doesn't count or if you think that, well, I don't need to get into politics, policy controls everything from birth to death. So your electric right. bill, your water bill, your textbooks, I mean, the gas prices, the tickets, city parking, all of that is controlled right. by policy. By policy exactly. So my my goal is to get them to understand. My goal is to see, allow them to see me and to see other leaders around the country and know that they're not perfect and to know that we just got involved. And that's what you have to do. Um, I'm really interested in sharing how I got here with young people, showing them this is the legislative process because I knew I could be here because I saw it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I was able to see my mom get sworn in. I was able to see uh, sit into committee meetings, which are open to the public. And most people don't know that I was able to come walk these halls of the Capitol, which sometimes people say, Oh, well you only did that because your mom was elected. Well, the Capitol building is open to all Oklahomans. It's right. your building. You can come walk these halls just like I did, regardless of who your parents are. Right. Come get involved, but we are here as elected officials and especially as young elected officials to help you do that. Speaking of policy, and you're exactly right, and I think that's a lesson we need to teach over and over and over again, is that the reason our legislators, legislate, 
this legislature is so important, the reason why our city councils are so important, our school mm. boards are so important, on and on and on, is because those elected representatives raise their hand and they vote yes or no. Right. And they set policy, and when they vote yes or no, that shapes that particular uh, governance, whatever it might be, on the future of what's going to happen there. That's the way laws are made. That's the way change happens. Mm -hmm. I think uh, when we look at our state legislature, our state capitol, we have to see it as a house of possibilities because anything is possible in this state when our senators and representatives raise their hands and say, okay, this is the way we want it to go. And so I guess that's one question I want to ask you. How do you want it to go? What's the future Oklahoma you see from your generation that you want to help shape? What do you want this state to be? I want us to get to a place where we are less divided by parties, less divided by race, background, social economic status, religious beliefs, um, sexual orientation or preferences. Sometimes we have to just look at each other as human beings <laughs> and, and take all of those layers of things off. We carry so much weight on our shoulders because we're coming in with preconceived notions and things like that. And sometimes you have to come in with a clean slate and say, I'm going to give this person who sits across from me a clean slate because we're all here obviously because we want to move Oklahoma forward and we want to make it better. I think if the people sitting in this building who are voting on your behalf take more of that outlook, the Oklahoman that I plan to see is where we have access to health care for all Oklahomans, where we find a way to fund our homeless population and house them and get them, integrate them back into the workforce where we are adopting children out to great families and where we are be able to sustain our teachers and that we don't have any failing schools in our state where businesses want to come here and thrive. The cost of living is already great. People really right. do want to live here, but where, you know, we end up having an NFL team if that's what that looks like. I want other millennials to want to stay home um, like I did. Like I'm staying home and giving back to my community. Um, I want my children to want to live here and raise a family here and, and have generations to be in Oklahoma. I'm a seventh generation Oklahoman. My family has been here um, for a very long time. My great-great-grandfather built the first two-story house in my community. Mm -hmm. They had a um, grocery store in Deep Deuce called the Burnett's Market, and they were Tulsa race riot survivors. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of history here. I want to continue that history with the next generation, and I want people to find their own pockets of history, their own nuggets of history, and create those, whatever mm -hmm. they look like. I see Oklahoma moving forward where we all work together. We have to come together, not just when tragedy strikes, you know, not just when we have tornadoes. Um, we have to come together around policy, around the well-being of all Oklahomans, not just the constituents in your district. Of course, they're a priority, but when you govern for the right now, that leaves out the people of the future. And we have to look beyond ourselves and look to the future and start governing for generations that come after us. Right. They say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago and the second best time is now and so it's uh, a lot of trees weren't planted 20 years ago <laughs> and uh, so we kind of have to get started now 
so that uh, people down down the road are going to be able to enjoy them and uh, all that they provide. My great grandma used to have a saying that you have to be willing to plant seeds of trees whose shade you will never enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to plant those seeds, and I'm fortunate enough to have people that planted seeds for me. Well, and you're young enough that maybe you'll also get to enjoy them as well. So <laughs> yeah. that could be that could Fingers be part crossed. of that. Definitely, so. definitely, definitely. I'm excited about that. What have you learned about yourself? You've been, you've talked about a lot of these experiences, but certainly as you reflect back upon the life you've lived so far, uh, the things that you've got to see and do, uh, you you say, oh, well, this is who I am. I've learned this about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who is, who is the me you know? I've learned a whole new me during this election (laughs) process. (laughs) To be completely honest with you, um, I'm an only child. So, I mean, I have an adopted brother that my mom adopted when I was 12, so not to leave him out. But biologically, I'm an only child, and I was comfortable being in the background. Um, I've been fortunate enough to stand in the shadows of great leaders, Mm -hmm. and I was comfortable being in those shadows, being the wizard behind the odds, helping other people make policy and you know, make change. I never in a million years thought that I would be the one putting my name on the ballot. Even with the legacy and the lineage that I have, I was like, nope, I don't have the temperament for the job. I am not as calm as you are. (laughs) You know, I I am just not as much of an extrovert as you are. I'm comfortable in my silence. I am not (laughs) touchy-feely and lovey. I don't like hugs all the time. But through this process, I grew because it wasn't about me. It was about doing what was best for my community and doing what was best for the next generation. And I think I, um, the people in my community not only wanted someone that was able to lead their generation, they wanted someone that would be able to bridge that gap and lead their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren as well. And so I'm happy and fortunate enough that they picked me. But I learned that I was strong and that I was inspiring and empowering to other people. It is so humbling to have young people come up to you or even older people come up to you and say I believe in you you can do it or you inspire me you are amazing I want to be like you because I didn't do this for that (laughs) I didn't run for all of those you know for all of those reasons but to be here and know that I am a role model it it takes on a whole new meaning it takes on a whole new value you know I learned that I was much more of a people person than I thought (laughs) Um, I learned that I needed to be the change that I wanted to see in my community, that I could not just sit back and help from behind the scenes, that I had to be willing to put on my shoes and do the walking as well as doing the talking and the hugging and the policy (laughs) and be able to multitask, um, taking care of my grandfather and, you know, really serving my community uh there was a time a moment at my swearing in where i got sworn in and there was a little boy who is seven years old and he worked on my campaign and someone caught a shot of him taking the oath with me and that for me was what it was all about so that that seven-year-old boy 
could look at me and know that he could be standing there taking that oath or that he felt like, well, she's getting sworn in. I'm getting sworn in too, because it is my duty to help her serve our community already at seven. And so if we're starting at those ages, imagine what 50 years looks like if we've empowered all of these young people. So, you know, I've learned that I'm a rock star and that I have to be willing to say that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we try to be so humble, but I'm a history maker and that I have the power of my destiny in my hands and whatever that looks like that I'm human, but I am here and I was placed in Oklahoma in house district 99 to be a change agent and that is my purpose and that my purpose is going to fuel everything that i do moving forward well that's a great thing to to wrap it up on because i i'm firmly convinced after all my years of working in corporate america and leadership and things of that nature that one thing you can say about a leader you know a leader because a leader will lead Mm -hmm. a leader will step out there and they will they will do what is necessary to create the space so that followers can follow. Yes. Because followers sometimes need a leader to show them where it's possible to go and that, that they can make it and they can be okay if, uh, if they'll just follow the lead. And so uh, someone who recognizes that opportunity and is willing to take that mantle on and step out and do that is the people that we look to for you know leadership that way? So I'm I'm really inspired myself oh, that you, you. <laughs> that you that you saw that that if you don't take that step, mm-hmm. if you don't move yourself out there, you don't give yourself the chance to grow, and that what you learn now is that you saw that that happened for you. Mm-hmm. You saw that you did grow that way. It's so much growth. And so having had that experience, you think, gee, almost anything is possible. Yeah. So I might really? be interviewing like the next governor <laughs> or a state U.S. senator, you know, or who knows. What Everybody keeps asking me what my next steps in politics are. And right now I have no clue. I, right. Because I had no clue I was running. Um, I decided to run for office in January of 2018. Mm-hmm. I filed for office in April. I was the top vote getter in my primary in June and I won my runoff in August. You never know what a year can do for your life. So yes, I plan for the future, but right now I am planning for these two years that I have to serve my constituency and to be able to do that to the best of my abilities. I wanted to bring power back to my people and my community. That was one of the biggest things. I want to show them how to lead, regardless if they have a representative or not. Um, You don't just lead in title. You lead in your actions. You lead in your community. And so I want them to know the legislative process. I want to say, hey, we're voting on education. Hey, we're voting on criminal justice. Come lobby for your cause or come understand what this means for you and your everyday life. Don't just rely on people to bring it back to you. Really engage yourself in this process so that regardless if you have someone elected for to represent you or not, you know that you are being involved and engaged in your community and you have the power not only of your vote, but of getting involved and understanding the process. Well, anyone listening to this podcast can probably understand why you got elected at 24, (laughs) because obviously your enthusiasm shows through your commitment to the spirit of what you're wanting to accomplish certainly radiates. And I want to congratulate you on being selected for this, uh, for this honor 
to yes. be uh, your representative it for your honor. constituents and wish you the very, very best this, uh, this uh, particular session. And, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing kind of how it goes down the road. Definitely. With, Thank uh, you so much. With for all these uh, new young people voices coming in yes. and ideas coming in. I'm I think our best days are ahead. Definitely. 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 Well, thanks so much, Representative Pittman, for uh, taking time to join us on The Spirit of Leading. I really appreciate your time and good luck to you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading, and I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in your community. Be watching for the next installment of The Spirit of Leading. Sign up for the podcast and you'll receive notifications when the next episode is published. You'll also receive links to my empowering thoughts. So until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day to encourage the spirit, to enliven the heart, to enlighten the mind, and to enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.